morning. If you have your Bibles, go with me to Ephesians. I'm sorry, don't go with me to Ephesians chapter 5. Go with me to Acts chapter 6. Oh, my bad. Wow. Whew. Acts chapter 6. If you want to put something there, later we'll be in 1 Timothy chapter 3. Acts chapter 6 and 1 Timothy chapter 3. We'll just be in 1 Timothy chapter 3 briefly this morning. The first line in my notes says, we're going to change speeds drastically here. Uh, And I guess I got caught off guard by my own changing of speeds here. This week and next week, Lord willing, we will talk about a couple of things that are not right in Ephesians. And jump out into a couple other that kind of fit more of our series that we're in, talking about kind of our vision as a church. And, uh, I want to see the manifold wisdom of God on display, and how's God doing that? And we've talked about how God is doing that through, or we believe, through His people, seeing the gospel renovate everything. And one of the ways that happens, uh, the, the way, is by God's people living out their identity and who they are in Christ. And, uh, and then we talked about the idea of rhythms. Well, what are rhythms? Well, rhythms are just things we do every single day, uh, whether that's eating, communicating. We, we talk about five of them as a church, eating, communicating, working, blessing, and recreating. Those are five things that we all are involved in every single day. And So how do we then live out who we are in Christ in everything that we do? How does the fact that I'm a missionary in Jesus Christ impact my eating? How does that impact my recreating? How does it impact my working or my communicating? How does the fact that I'm a servant, which is where we're going to talk a lot about today, the fact that I'm a servant in Christ, how does that impact the way I work? How does that impact the way I communicate? How does that impact the way I recreate? And, um, because if that's who we are in Christ, then that should be the filter through which we do everything. So... This week, though, we're going to take a couple, this week and next week, to take a look at a couple very important, I think, graces that God has given to the church to help us do this, to help us actually be the people of God living uh, out our gospel identity in everyday rhythms. So like I said, we're going to kind of change speeds drastically. I even opened my Bible to Ephesians chapter 3, ready to preach Ephesians, going, I don't have a sermon for the next verses in Ephesians 3. Uh, we're at Acts 6. Uh, and so, again, I want to take a couple weeks and focus here on a couple very important topics. Those two topics are this, elders and deacons. I want to spend this week talking about deacons and next week talking about elders. Now notice at the end of the passage, you don't have to turn there, but if you remember back from last week, Ephesians 3, chapter 13, I want to kind of use this as our segue here into what we're going to talk about. Paul says, so I ask you not to lose heart water over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. And Paul has just said that he was a minister of the gospel, sent to lead these people into an understanding of the mystery. So there's a sense in which Paul is leading these people. A very real sense in which Paul is leading these people. And Paul says that he is suffering for that goal or end in mind. For the goal that they would have this understanding of the mystery. Because what happens is the understanding of the mystery takes place. 
the manifold wisdom of God is on display as God's people become his people and they live underneath his rule and subsequent blessing. <clears throat> so I want to start off with this. Leaders in the church are ultimately called to labor to that same end. That God's manifold, mis- that God's manifold wisdom would be on display that through God's people understanding and knowing his mystery and that his then his wisdom is made known to all creation and and the leaders in the church serve for that end for that purpose we see lots of different leadership in churches today it doesn't take long to look around and kind of see different things one of the things that disturbs me the most is that pastors in large today have become nothing more than program managers There are people here to herd people from one program and keep them entertained and move them to the next program and move them to the next program. God's not called his pastors to be program managers, nor his deacons for that matter, to be program managers. There's different things and different observations you can make, but at its core, I just want us to remind us and to point us, set us on this trajectory, that leaders... In the church, they're ultimately called to labor to the end that God's manifold wisdom would be on display through His people understanding His great mystery. His mystery that, that the gospel is for all people and that God changes these people. So as we talk about this idea of leadership in the church, this is crucial, I believe, to God's plan to display His wisdom to the world. It's crucial. And we all have, in our day, we all have so many, like, perceptions and misconceptions of what leadership in the church is supposed to look like. And we, we all hear things, well, they're always about money, or they're just about making people follow a set of rules, or they're all about, we have so many different, and, and a lot of that's just because of man's sinfulness in leading, and some of that's in man's sinfulness in following, But it's crucial for us to understand what biblical leadership looks like if we're to fulfill our calling as a church. Not just our calling as a renovation church, but in any church that we find ourselves in. So I want to take a few, some time to work through these because for two reasons. There's, first one is this. In the next year or two, give or take, (laughs) Rusty and I foresee God adding to our uh, body of elders. Uh, and so it'd be good for us to teach on eldership. Um, just as a side note, uh, our belief is that the church should always be led by a plurality of elders. There should always be at least two. Um, and I think even three is even better. Um, even, even with the size of the church, even if it's a real small church, I think three is even, even better. But God has provided two, and from the very beginning, God's been very gracious. I have a pastor friend of mine that is really struggling right now because he believes that the, the scriptures claim the same thing that, that we do, uh, and God has not provided a second elder for him. And it's hard. The church is having a hard time um, because there's, there's, just, there's a lot of practical benefit in doing it God's way. Um, and, but we see in a lot of churches this idea of like a, like a CEO model where you have one pastor and he kind of runs the gig and 
But, but anyways, so in the next year or two, we foresee God adding to our body. So we want to teach on this, right? I want you guys to understand even more. I mean, many of you have gotten to see it lived out with Rusty and I, but, but also as we grow, we want to, to do this. And then the second reason I want to teach on particularly this week is that after the first of the year, uh, our desire is to begin some formal deacon training. So we're talking about deacons today, and we want to begin, we don't have any formal deacons as a church. And so I want to teach on that. And then after the first of the year, we're going to begin some training. And Lord willing, by the middle of next year, we would love to install our first set of deacons, uh, which, uh, to be honest, you'll hear a lot of this come out as I teach today, that my past experience with deacons has not been the greatest, and maybe has played a role in taking us five years to finally have deacons, or six years to finally have deacons. Uh, just not been highly motivated to, uh, to, to do that, and uh, you'll hear some of that. Some of you are giggling because you know and, uh, and that's good. So, uh, I want to say this. Rusty and I have been very encouraged, though. I want to say this very, very clearly. <clears throat> by the number of people who serve in this church, in many ways, in a deacon-like capacity. And they do this, and when they do this, they do this in such a way that allows Rusty and I to do what we are called to do as pastors. Like, we have many people who do that. Alright? And that's an encouragement to Rusty and I. However... It's time that we up the ante, right? It's time that we take it to the next level. Uh, and, and that's our desire. We are moving into a new season of life as a church. And praise God for this. Here's my three notes. I'm just going to read them to you. We have more people now than we ever have. Praise God. Praise God. That's what's happening in, in the early church. And you'll see as we work through this in Acts chapter 6. This is the same thing that's happening. It's a new season for the church. We have more members. I think we finally, than we ever have, we finally broke the 30 mark, okay? We have 30 members. Uh, that's amazing. Like, we would hit like 22, and then we'd like lose a couple, and then we'd hit like 25, and we'd lose a couple. And, and by God's grace, this past year uh, has just been incredible, and God has been good. And um, we have multiple people, even right now, that are in the process of pursuing membership, and Lord willing, before the end of the year, we'll be covenanting with them. But this is a new season. And new seasons require different things. And God is gracious in providing and anticipating our needs. Um, and then the third thing I have written down here as far as this new season, that we have more ministry happening than we ever have. And by that, what I mean is this. I don't mean ministry as in we have programs going on. I mean we have people ministering the Word of God to each other more than we ever have and more that's going on than has ever taken place before. That's awesome. Our desire as a church is to not just create a bunch of programs so that we can keep your time busy. Our desire is to equip you to take the word to broken people. That's what we want to do. Both people who are saved and yet still have broken parts and people who are not saved and are in desperate need of the gospel just like you and I are. That's what we want to do. We want to fill your time with that. I want every waking moment to be consumed with ministering the gospel to yourself and to other people. If I can fill every moment of your waking, of your awakefulness with that, I will do it and I'll take it all, okay? Without apology. <clears throat> but I don't want to fill it with just programs. 
Our goal, though, as we kind of think about this new season, as we think where we're headed as a church, our goal is not to grow in the variety of things necessarily that we do as a church, but to grow in the strength at which we do what we already are doing so that, Lord willing, one day as a church we can multiply. Our desire where we can take a group of people from Innovation Church and spread what God is doing here to another part of town. We want to do that. I don't know if any of you have ever thought about that idea of, of a church plant, planting a church, or what that looks like. We have. We've had dreams of this for a long time. Uh, and, uh, you know, we, we really, when I say we, I'm, I'm talking Rusty and I, really believe in what God is doing here. God is doing something marvelous. Um, and if we're going to think, how can we reach Dayton? If we follow Paul's model, Paul goes and plants churches. He goes and starts churches. And you say, well, there's, there's lots and lots and lots of churches around Dayton. I, I don't want to be too rude or, or mean. There's lots and lots and lots of religious institutions and buildings called churches, okay? I don't mean that we're the only church. There are certainly other wonderful churches in the area. But there's also like over a million people in the greater Dayton region, okay? Within like 45 minutes of here. There's, if, 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 if they were, like, we could fill all of the churches in this area like over like 10 or 15 times, if not more, and still not have enough room if everyone was to become followers of Jesus Christ. So as we think about next season and what we're doing, the idea is not to spread our ministry and what God's called us to do. The idea is, as I've been telling our different leaders, is to stack it. Like to stack and to do better what we're doing so that then we can, we can take some of those stacks and move people out of there and send them out. Uh, and as much as painful as that would be to see people leave renovation, the goal is for us to send people out, not just to keep everyone we get. And that's hard. I mean, I've experienced that in my house gathering multiple times where I've sent out people. Like, I, I remember, uh, you know, lo- losing the Gaskins uh, and then moving out and, of our house gathering and, and Robbie and Kristen moving out of our house gathering and then recently Rusty and Jess moving out of our house gathering. These are people that we've done life with week in and week out and week in and week out. And now to see them in their own uh, house gatherings and environments and and it's, it's awesome, but there's also a part of me that's like, I wish they were still here, you know? I wish I got to open the Word with them during this time together. So, all of that, I'm sorry, was not in my notes. Uh, so, <laughs> we should keep going here. Uh, so, in this new season, Rusty and I see an increasing need for God's ordained means of helping him and I, the diaconate, okay? The the deacons. So what I want to do is spend some time talking about. So the Bible identifies, if you're looking at your outline there, two primary leadership roles in the church. Two. First of all, elders who are servant leaders. More on that to come. If I don't have a baby sometime this week, it'll likely be Rusty preaching this for you next week. Otherwise, um, I'm going to be selfish and preach it next week. I told him I was going to text him this morning at like 2 a.m. and say, dude, I hope you're ready to preach in the morning. Uh, 
and just go dot, 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 you know, and let him wake up to that this morning. Um, but next week, we'll talk about elders. We'll talk about what this looks like, about what, what's at the core, what does it mean for an elder to be a servant leader? What do we mean about that? And then, and then this week, we'll talk about deacons who are leading servants. Now you're saying, well, I'm not called to be a deacon. What does this have to do with me? And so on, so on, so forth. Okay, just pause for a second. There is so much for you to learn for two ways. One is, how do you, you need to understand deacons if you're going to follow deacons, right? Uh, if you're going to live and be blessed by deacons, right? <clears throat> and then secondly is that the things that deacons are called to do, we're all called to do, like to some level. Like the idea of being a leading servant, we're all called to lead and servitude and so on and so forth. So there's a lot for us to learn. So that's my plea for all of you to pay attention, not just those who want to be deacons. So what is a deacon? Let's ask this question. What is a deacon? Now we have people in this group with all sorts of backgrounds and understandings when it comes to deacons. Let me just name a few of those. Some of you are looking at me like a deer in headlights, go, I've never even heard, what's a deacon? What, what in the world is a deacon? And to you, you are blessed. You know why? Because you have a blank canvas. And I'm going to try and paint on that canvas an accurate picture of what a deacon looks like. So, praise God. You, seriously, I'm not, I'm not joking, right? That, that's a blessing. Some of you have seen deacons that serve and support the elders and, and they kind of lead in getting certain practical tasks done and, and there's a unifying effect that these deacons have on the body. And, and, and if you have seen that, you are incredibly blessed. God has been gracious in showing you that. Okay. This third quarter category, we are blessed as well. Um, just for different reasons. Some of us have seen deacons who function in not quite the way that I just painted. Uh, we've seen deacons function in many ways like pastors. People who have authority in the body. Uh, men who, who, when the pastor does something they don't like, who come up against the pastor or pastors. Um, I saw this in my grandpa's ministry many, many, many times over where it was like the pastor versus the deacons. And it was kind of this war waging between the two. Uh, that these deacons function not, honestly, I'm not trying to be mean, but they didn't really ever get anything done other than stirring up controversy. Uh, and why was this happening? We'll talk a little bit through this today. But, but for some of us, that's our background. Uh, and we are blessed, certainly, because... We get to see kind of the bad side, what happens when, when it's not done the right way. And that is an incredible blessing. That will help us as a church, as we think about deacons, to do it hopefully rightly. As we seek the scriptures and we see the dangers on one side, and we see the blessings from other people on the other side, we can, we can put all this together, see what God's word says, and Lord willing, walk away in a way that honors Him. For many of you, you have a Baptist background that is fairly similar to what I just described. <clears throat> and I think I'd be failing us as a whole if I didn't just address this very quickly. That in many Baptist churches, as many of us have a background in, I think 
we have gotten the idea of deaconhood wrong. Like, sinfully wrong. That they function as someone with spiritual oversight and authority. Um, that's very common, particularly in Southern Baptist churches. If you're familiar with Southern Baptists, that's very, very particular uh, to there. And, but it's only been a reality for the past 50, 60 years, to be honest with you. Before that, it wasn't as much of a reality. Um, but a deacon, though, is one who leads the church in caring for a specific need for a specific period of time in such a way that it serves the elders so they can pray and teach. All right, so let me repeat that again. A deacon, though, is, is one who leads the church in caring for a specific need for a specific period of time in such a way that it serves the elders so that they can pray and teach. And I would caveat, I would add to that in a way that, that, that leads others to participate in the same thing. So you might ask this question, and relax for just a second, we will get to Acts chapter 6 here in just a moment. There's a lot of setup going on right now. You ask the question, well, don't we have people doing this already? Renovation Church, don't we have people doing this already? Don't we already have, as our website says, leading servants? Indeed, we do, right? That's part of what I was saying earlier, like praise God for this. Praise God that we have people that in many ways, but, but see, that's kind of the nature of the way we kind of like to do things at Renovation Church anyways. We kind of like people to almost be like members, and then we affirm them as members. And same thing when it comes to having elders. We want to have guys who are basically functioning in many ways as elders, and then we just simply affirm what God is doing. Um, instead of, well, I'll just leave it at that. I want to say this, these people that you recognize as functioning in these ways uh, have been a blessing to Rusty and I. Uh, and they've been a blessing to you as a church. Uh, whether you've taken time to think about that or, or not, they have been. They've been a huge blessing it, in many ways. You know, as I think about elding and starting Renovation Church, I think about how I would not be here if it wasn't for Rusty. Like, just having the strength and the camaraderie that him and I have as elders. But then, uh, along with that, what we have as elders, the help and support and the deaconing in many ways from, uh, from people in the church has been huge. And, and in many ways, we wouldn't be here without that either. God has been very kind to us in doing that. But what's happened is over the number of years we've been as a church, we've, we, Rusty and I have chosen, I think as God has, has provided for us to do and allowed for us to do, uh, chosen people to serve in these capacities based upon two things, the needs of the church and the availability of servants to handle these tasks. And I want to say that as we think about deacons, that this in no way is a replacement of these people. We're not trying to replace people who are leading, serving. We're not doing that. In fact, in many ways... What we're doing now, we're talking about doing now, and deacons is, is in many ways will be an affirmation of many of those people. It will be a, a further equipping and a, and, a, and a further recognition of those people and, and such. But the difference is that Rusty and I, we have the authority to put servants in position whenever we want. But to put someone in as a deacon, I think the ante is up a bit. One is they must meet the qualifications for deacons. 
We're going to talk about that today. What, is a, what are the qualifications for a deacon? Second, which is kind of what we talked about before, the elders, I believe, must elect these as such, and the church affirming them as they trust and follow the elders as well. Now, two products come from this. After this, we're going to get to the text. Two products come from an actual formal recognition, I think, of deacons. These are just practical two products. One is a weightiness is added to the person's servant role. This person is now a deacon of this ministry. There's a weightiness that's added to that. You're now holding a biblically ordained position. So there's a weightiness. Now there are clear biblical expectations for not just the tasks at which they are that they are called to do, but for the person in Christ that they are as they're leading these tasks. There's, there's a weightiness to that. And then with that, number two, a weightiness is added to your following them and accomplishing these tasks and needs. So there's a weightiness in their on put on them that. Yes, this is who I am in Christ, this is who I, how, I sh- how I should be living in a way that honors God and, and its qualifications and so on and so forth. And then there's a weightiness on you as you follow them. So the elder's role, if you think about this with me, we've mentioned this before, the elder's role is to equip y'all for doing the ministry. Alright? Your role is to do the heavy lifting of the ministry. The deacons are to lead in doing the heavy lifting. They're to help you in doing heavy lifting. That's a glorious picture. Like, God is awesome, isn't He? Like, he, He's good in doing these things. This is good for us. It's good for me. It's good for Rusty. It's good for every single one of you. So with that said, right, now here we segue to the passage. I want to spend some time in two different passages, kind of giving us a theological undergirding, right? A theological support, a biblical support for what we're talking about, and building upon that. That's what I would like to do. Now what we're going to do is we're going to see a picture of what deacons are all about in the New Testament. Now as a little bit of a disclaimer, in Acts 6, I don't think we have the official position of deacons here in Acts 6. I think what we have is the uh, forming of the very beginning of what will eventually become deacons in the New Testament. So, that's, so I think it's more formalized, like by the time we get to, that's why I coupled this with 1 Timothy chapter 3, that it'll be very formalized over as the time of the church grows. But what you see here is kind of the beginning, the, the birth of this role of deacon in the church. Acts 6, 1-7. through 7. Let's read. Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve, this meaning the, the apostles, summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we, meaning the apostles who at this point are functioning as elders, will devote ourselves to prayer 
and to the ministry of the word. And what they said, what the apostles said, pleased the whole gathering. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, Timon and Pumbaa, I'm not, not Pumbaa, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. And the word, listen to this, and the word of God continued to increase. The number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Right, it's such a beautiful picture. Let me give you, I, want, I hope this doesn't sound too much like a, uh, like a lecture, okay? Uh, but I also want to be very, very informative too. There's a nature of just information that we need to talk about today. So we're going to talk about this idea of deacons. So there's a background. I'm going to give you a background in the New Testament of this idea of deacon. There's three different forms of that word in the Greek. I'm not going to go over those, but, but the word that we kind of get deacon from is diakonos or diakonao. These are the Greek words. That's kind of, you can just take that or leave that if you want, but that's where we get the word deacon from. But it's used, this word is used in a variety of different ways in the New Testament. Oftentimes, not even referring to leadership in the church. A lot of the times, most of the time even, it's talking about service. So deacon and service. You need to think in terms of that. It's literally what it means, is service. Many times we see it referring to serving specific needs. Now we come to Acts 6, and it's interesting, if you, if you study through the Greek here, it's actually used three different times, the word deacon. So if we look at verse 1. It says, Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily service. There were deacon there. The daily distribution. Again, distribution literally means service. So they were handing out supplies to the widows. Then verse 2. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to deacon. It says serve tables, but that's what's happening. So contextually, it's translated that way because that's what's specifically happening. At its root, what's happening is service. And they're saying it's not right for us to do this. Again, what we have here is apostles who are functioning as elders. And I think that's an, an, an important caveat. Apostles who are functioning as elders saying it's not right that we should neglect the preaching of the word and teaching and praying for the service of tables. Verse 4, but we will devote ourselves to pray and to the deacon, the deaconing of the word, to the service of the word. Now, they're functioning as elders, again, but what they're doing is they're serving, but in a different way. In a way that God has uniquely called elders to serve, that He hasn't called deacons to serve. Necessarily. So the word deacon, this word is not just used to refer to a position of leadership in the New Testament church. It's used to refer to servants all across the New Testament. Elders, deacons, and members. All of these people are called to serve in the church. But what seems to be happening here in Acts 6 is that a certain people are being called out to lead in serving. Lead in accomplishing this task. 
Then again, later on, you see that they are not only leading and serving, but they also are called to live exemplary lives. That's what we get when we get to 1 Timothy chapter 3. So not just lead in getting the task done, but to actually have exemplary lives in doing so. Again, the New Testament has kind of a progression toward formality. Right here we see the the deacon's role kind of birthing, and then in time it's going to become more of a formal piece to the church. So I think the question we should ask is this. What separates deacons from elders and from anybody else? What's unique to deacons? What's unique? Three responsibilities of deacons. Three responsibilities of deacons. The first one is this. Deacons are most fundamentally called to mercy ministry. Deacons are most fundamentally called to mercy ministry. Classically, when we think about mercy ministry, we think of specifically care for the poor, care for the orphan. But I don't think mercy ministry is just limited to just that. Although we see that's in part what's going on here in Acts chapter 6, is that they are ministering to the widows. They're ministering to the more uh, helpless of their day, the ones who, are, who need care, that they need mercy, they need ministry. So they are certainly doing that in Acts chapter 6. But I don't think mercy ministry is limited to just simply care for the poor or the orphan. Mercy ministry is most basically caring for the needs of others. It is the idea of, of someone else's needy, and God has equipped me to care for their need. God is calling me to care for their need. And in that sense, we're all called to mercy ministry. We're all called. But if you're looking for a sub-sub point here, Deacons meet needs according to the Word. Deacons meet needs according to the Word. What I mean by that is that the Word dictates the needs and such that we are to be doing and fulfilling as a church. And that is the most specific usage of the Word in the New Testament. That these people are serving in such a way that they're meeting a specific need. This is what's happening again in Acts chapter 6. What's happening, if, if you're not familiar with Acts chapter 6 or what's going on, is that the Jewish system, in the Jewish system, they had a system for taking care of the widows. But the problem was that you had a lot of Greek-speaking widows that were being overlooked in the service of giving them food. And what was happening is it was starting to cause great dissension and disunity among the body. I mean, reality here, for those of us who've have an experience of not a healthy deaconhood, you'll see in those churches lots of disunity. When there is not a healthy deaconhood, you will see, that may not be the only cause for disunity, but it's a major cause for disunity because what's happening is there's a unifying effect. We'll get to that in a second. So what happens is these seven guys rise up focused on meeting this particular need. Second of all, their servitude arises from specific circumstances. And I think that's important for us to note here in the text as well. We need to think in terms of specific circumstances. Sometimes circumstances change. Where we don't... So, let me give you an example. If the Lord ever gives us a building, okay? We 
we won't need, Lord willing, a, uh, a, a deacon of roadie crew, all right? Uh, so our circumstances change. That need no longer exists, so a deacon for that, we don't need that anymore. Now, then comes a deacon of facility maintenance, okay? Uh, so that changes, and it may just be the same person, but nevertheless, the need changes, circumstances change. So sometimes the need changes, circumstances change, so we change the, the deacon. It's not just a lifelong, I'm the deacon of roadie crew, even though we don't have a roadie crew anymore, right? All right, the third one is that this, they're accountable for specific commands. They're accountable for specific commands, specific tasks, specific items. What we see here, right, if you look at the New Testament, there's not, a, honestly, there's not a ton on deacons. But what we do have is that we have a picture of people rising up to meet needs in the church as they come up. As needs arise, God raises up people to take care of these specific needs. What this means is that deacons look different in different time periods. If you study church history, they look different in this time period because the needs of the church are different. And the needs of this church are going to look different than the needs of the church down the road. Even within the same body, deacons are going to look different because they're fulfilling different needs. I want to say this at this point. Deacons are not a group that just meets together to talk about deacon stuff. This is what many of you are used to growing up in church. <laughs> I wrote this. You take it or leave it. You had a group of deacons that just got together to deacon. Um, right? I guess they discussed policy. They discussed the direction of the church. This, it's just not their role. Deacons, I, I don't want to... I want to be careful here. Deacons as many of you have seen, function together as just kind of this body that are levying authority and, and exercising authority and, and are, are guiding the church in many ways. You know, I was talking to a church that is probably about to, uh, to close their doors and talking about how it's going to come down to a vote of the deacons to do such a thing. Where is that at? Where is that at? That's, that's a tough, like, no, no. Like, what, these, that's not the nature of the role. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with deacons coming together to talk, but I'm saying, like, in many cases, what's the need to? Deacons function for a task, and deacons are accountable for a specific task given to them, I think, by the church, and by the discerning elders. So as we move forward, the second thing that we see of deacons here is that deacons support the ministry of the Word. Deacons support the ministry of the Word. So as they are calling, as they are living out this mercy ministry, what's happening in many ways, they're supporting, and, and ultimately their calling is to support the ministry of the Word. So what happens here in Acts chapter 6, to go back to the story, is that the apostles wanted the people to be cared for. I mean, we, we can't miss that. The apostles recognized the need. 
And they weren't saying, forget the need, we got to go pray. No, matter of fact, what's happening is the apostles are meeting the need. But then they're realizing, oh my gosh, this is bigger than we can handle. And what's beginning to happen is people are beginning to overlook because they're being spread between this servitude and this service over here of the ministry of the word. And so they recognize that this need needs to be taken care of. But he's saying, we are just not the people that are meant to take care of that. Not that we can't do that. And so when we think about even Rusty and I, there's many things that we do that are probably out of the realm of our immediate calling as elders. And that's okay. We can do that. Praise God. The problem is when those things begin to overshadow and take from the things that God has given us to do, praying and teaching, studying the Word, equipping you guys in that way, then that's when this is becoming a problem. And so we love serving in these other capacities. When I think of Rusty and drumming, right? Uh, we were talking about that the other day. We were talking about his, his future career in drumming at Renovation Church. And, and uh, you know, and, and praise God that God has gifted him to do that. And, uh, you know, I led worship for a long time until God sent us Greg. And, and praise God. And so those are wonderful things. And then as they begin to eclipse, though, our role over here, then now it's beginning to be a problem. And we need to make adjustments for those kinds of things. But deacons ultimately support the ministry of the Word. They enable, they help taking care of the, the, the responsibility so that the elders can do their responsibility of teaching and praying, studying the Scriptures and equipping the saints. So when we think about deacons, like, I would say even as we think about people who are serving in the body right now in these kinds of leadership positions, I would encourage you to think, if you're going to be a deacon, one of the things you have to be thinking all the time is that my role is supporting the ministry of the church, the ministry, rather, of the Word, not just the ministry of the church, right? Like, I think most foundationally what's happening is you're supporting the ministry of the Word, so that it can be preached to the people. So your role, whether that's of roadie crew, or that's of hospitality, or that's of house gatherings, or whatever those things are, that's what you're doing. You're supporting the ministry of the Word. So in a way, these deacons have a hand in the preaching. Not in, the, not in a dictatorial and authoritative kind of sense, but in a, in a supporting kind of sense. We are enabling and helping the elders do this. So deacons serve elders so they can lead. This is marvelous. Quite self-serving it feels. But it is true. They're serving so that the elders can lead. Now we see later that an elder's role, again, there's, there's a moving in the New Testament here. You'll see in time. But elders move from just praying and teaching. Then we start talking about oversight and, and layers of authority and stuff like that that come later on in the New Testament. But again, deacons serve so that elders can do this, so that elders can lead. Deacons in Acts 6 or in the rest of the New Testament are not a second house of the legislature. You know what I'm saying? Okay? It's, it's, not, it's not deacons versus elders. Deacons in a group sense, like many of us have seen, it just shouldn't even be there. You've got the deacon of 
who oversees this ministry and, and they're involved with that ministry and they consult with that ministry and, and help the elders with that ministry. And then not this group of people who kind of come together to make decisions and like, what is that? It's just not there. It's not deacons versus elders. It's, it's not deacons holding the pastor and staff accountable. Anybody seen that growing up? I, anybody? Am I the only one? Yeah, a few of us. It's not deacons telling the pastors what to do. Elders are responsible for overseeing the church. Deacons are to serve the elders so that they are freed up to do so. That they are, they are encouraged in doing that. So that they are, they are empowered to do that. And that's, that's just a wonderful picture when you begin to see what's going on here early on in the New Testament. They're being freed up to do what God's called them to do, and God has uniquely equipped them to do. Okay? But what you see, what I saw in many churches I saw growing up was, in many ways, the pastor was functioning more as a deacon, and the deacons were functioning more as pastors. So the pastor was functioning as someone who, who cared for specific needs of the church and ran specific programs to care for specific needs of the church. All while you have the deacons who go sit in a room and, and make decisions and think about authority and oversight and stuff. And, and what you end up having, you, just, you have guys overseeing the ship who aren't qualified in many cases. And the guys who are qualified to oversee the ship aren't able to oversee the ship because they're too busy scrubbing the floors. Elder, a deacon serves so that the elders can lead. <clears throat> deacons also lead, not only so that the elders can lead, but deacons lead so that others can serve. Deacons lead so that others can serve. I want you to think about this picture in Acts chapter 6. They choose these seven men to like just care for, you know, 20 people, you know, 30 people. What's happening? There's thousands and thousands of people in the church at this point. They raised up seven guys for this task. There were, there's no way they were the only ones doing this. It wasn't just choose seven guys to take care of this task in and of themselves. I think what's going on is they're facilitating the care for the widows. They're leading in this task. So that what? So that the whole congregation could be a part of caring for these widows. Deacons lead the body to do such a thing. So the third responsibility, so the we, we, first one is this. Deacons most fundamentally are called to mercy ministry. Deacons support the ministry of the word. Deacons unify the body around the word. Number three. Deacons unify the body around the the word. Again, think about what's going on in Acts chapter 6. Not only are the Greek widows upset, but there is some disunity arising out of this. And when the deacons meet these needs there begins this unifying effect that takes place in the church. They are serving in such a way that it unifies the body. 
I mean, what do we see happen? The church is growing. And as churches grow, just like this one, just like us, unmet needs always occur with change. As things happen, as change takes place, unmet needs have. That's what's going on here. There's so many of them now, just practically, there's needs going unmet that the church is there at this point to care for. And as we grow, there will always be growing pains. There will be more needs for more deacons and more people serving as that time goes. I just want to take a few moments here to say, Christian, in light of this, in light of this idea of serving and supporting the ministry of the Word and, and deacons just unifying people around the Word, right? Unifying people around the truth of God's Word and His expressed, written will for us. And as we do this, what do we think of when we think of servitude, when we think of service? Why, why do you, church person, come to Renovation Church? Like, I wonder how many of us come so that we can be served. I, I find this, even I struggle with this myself. One of the ways I struggle with this is when I get up to preach and get done preaching, I want to feel good. Like, I want to feel good about preaching. Well, then why am I preaching? So that I can feel good, right? I wasn't preaching then to serve you guys, I was serving, preaching to serve myself. Why, why am I doing it? So why do we do what we do? Why do, you, why do we come here? I wonder how many of us come to be served. Think of examples. I mean, what, what gets you upset? That's probably why you come. Ah, you know, the, the music just didn't hit me right today. Well, maybe you come just for the music. Not to serve, right? Ultimately, Jesus did not come to the earth to be served, but to do what? He came to serve. Not to be served, but to serve. He willingly laid down His life and served us by providing, ultimately, a righteousness and an atonement for our sin that we could not provide on our own. So He comes and serves us in an ultimate sense, by laying down His life. So then how do we, how does that then impact the way I gather with the church, with the body? Whether that's on Sundays or Monday nights or Tuesday nights or Wednesday during the day or for my DNA group, right? I'm called to lay down my life for my brothers and sisters. Not come up with every excuse I can to miss out on opportunities to be with my brothers and sisters. Now, non-Christian, like, if you're not a follower of Christ, if you're unsure of whether or not this is you who's a follower of Christ, I want did you know that Christ came to serve as a sacrifice for the ones that he would save? Like that could be you. Like God came. Jesus came to serve you. He died so that you could have life. I want to encourage you to lay aside your sin, to repent, to ask Him to forgive you of your sin and trust in His servitude, the fact that He served by dying on the cross in your place, living this righteous life that you couldn't have lived. I encourage you to trust in Him for that. The last major part of our time today, I want to talk about this idea of qualifications qualifications and we have about 10 minutes to to uh that's more of a reminder for me uh than it is for you 
10 minutes to work through this. Qualifications. The first one is this. We think about deacons. And this is important because as you're thinking about, like, thinking about being a part of recognizing deacons, these are the things you keep in mind. As you also think about these things, these are things that you're called to as well. I'm called to. First of all, it's this, a mission mindset. A mission mindset. So we see with these seven guys in Acts chapter 6. These guys help ensure that the overall mission of the church is going to be accomplished. As we think about this, if you think about deacons in various areas of ministry, they're not to guard those ministries to the point that they miss the overall mission of the church. You want to know when someone's guarding their ministry at the expense of the church, it's when you take their ministry away. Um, And they're incredibly upset about that. But a mission mindset, like thinking in terms of disunity in the church. Like what's happening here, complaints are coming out. And what happens is the people, it's easy for us, when disunity happens, for us to begin looking inward very quickly. And then what happens is as we look inward very quickly, a lost and dying world, people without Jesus Christ, begins to fade away real quick. It's easier for us to focus on complaints so that we can forget about the mission. The deacons must help keep us mission-focused. We're here to serve. We're here to, to accomplish the mission. The second is a Christ-like character. The second is a Christ-like character. Let's, we'll move through this real quick. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 8-13. through 13. Deacons likewise. Right, now, what's he saying, deacons likewise? He's saying likewise with the elders that he just referenced earlier. So elders, he addresses them, and then he says deacons now likewise. Must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. And let them also be tested first. Then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Their wives, likewise, must be dignified, not slanderers, not sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their households well. For those who serve, as well, serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. I just think, I mean, there's, I mean we could preach all day on that, but we don't have time. We have like three minutes. <clears throat> the picture here is of this, the significance of this role. In Acts chapter 6, it talks about, as a result of the deacons, what happens Look what happens in verse 7, right, of Acts chapter 6. That many, it says, And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. Upon what? Upon what? Upon these elders doing their role, and these deacons doing their role, and leading the people to do their role. What happens? Lots of lives are changed. Lots of people get saved. Even the priests 
get saved. Now, if you've done any work in international contexts and you know, think of like when we go to like Haiti and the Dominican Republic and these places and you have voodoo priests and you have these other priests and think of like people getting saved, the leaders of other faiths getting saved. And he says even the priests were coming to Christ. So quickly, questions about this. Is, is this person honorable? Is this person genuine? Is this person self-controlled? Is this a person a sacrificial giver? Is this person devoted to the Word? Is this person faithful? Is this person blameless? Is this person honoring Christ in their home? This is where we get into that the character of a deacon is very important as well. It's not just whoever can fulfill the task can be a deacon. What's he say back in chapter 6, right? He says, uh, where is it at in chapter 6? Men of good repute, full of the Spirit and of wisdom. We will appoint them to this duty. And then we see Paul more formalize that here in in 1 Timothy chapter 3. So, the next question that we need to ask, and after this one we'll land the plane, is this. What about women? What about women and deacons? What about women as deacons? You, you, we probably won't address this next week, but our view is as for pastors that that role, elders, is, is limited to men. And I'm not going to go into why, but I want to ask the question, what about deacons? Can a woman be a deacon? This is an area of lots of debate, Okay? Lots of debate around this. And I, they are good, awesome, Bible-believing, loving Jesus Christians on both sides of this debate, okay? This is, not a, this is not a, we won't do life with this other church because they have or don't have, okay? Um, just leave it at that. So basically two views, all right? Yes and no. Those are the two views. The no group says, <clears throat> the, the text in 1 Timothy says, husband of one wife. And wives are supposed to be worthy of respect. So if you st- I want you to stay at that 1 Timothy passage. You can leave Acts 6 right now. So if you look there in verse 8, dequa- deacons likewise must be dignified, not double tongue, and so on and so forth. It, sh- it says that she should be the husband of one wife. And then verse 12 and then it says in verse 11, their wives likewise must be dignified and so on and so forth. Uh, they would argue that there's not a lot of solid support for deacons to be women in the New Testament. Okay. I probably didn't do that fair, fair justice, but I'd do that justice. But on the next one, the other side of the argument is yes, they can be. Um, I want you to look at the structure of the passage, right? So, if you look at chapter 3, follow with me here. At the beginning, you have the saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer. Right? So, he's addressing overseers. Then he gets to verse 8 and says, Deacons, likewise, must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, so on and so forth. And then he gets to verse 11 and says, Likewise, 
again. Why does he do that? I think what Paul's doing here is that, so, or the, the group who says, yes, women can be deacons, that, that there's three groups here that Paul's actually addressing. He's addressing elders, he's addressing deacons, and then in verse 11, he's addressing deaconesses, right? Female deacons, right? That's, that's, that's the way you say it, deaconesses, right? I think, yeah. <laughs> the three different groups, I have to say it this way, elders, male deacons, female deacons, how about that? All right, so I don't want to get too technical here. I just want you to follow me here. Verse 11, if you study the original Greek here, the word there is not there. The word T-H-E-I-R is not T-H-E-R-E, okay? It's not there. It's not, it's not there in the original text. They add that. Um, it's an interpretive decision based upon the, the writers of the ESV, right? What's just there is the word for women. So not even the word wives is literally there. It's actually the word woman. Now the word likewise is there. So in the Greek, it literally reads, it says, verse 10, And let them also be tested first, then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Women, likewise, must be dignified, not slanderous, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. So I, I think what's happening here is Paul's actually addressing three separate groups. I think he's addressing elders, male deacons, and female deacons. The second th- the argument that I would throw out there as well is that why in the world would Paul address the wives of deacons and not the wives of elders? I think that's another, just a, just a practical thing going, why would he do that? Why is it important that deacons' wives look this way, but he's not going to say anything about elders' wives? And I, I think that's another piece. But grammatically here, in the Greek, that's not there. So you can read it both ways. You can read it both ways. Another thing I would argue is that women are referred to as deacons in Scripture. Think about Phoebe in Romans chapter 16, verse 1. Now, the people on the no side of the argument say, no, she was just a servant. People on the yes side say that Paul is calling her a deacon, a deaconess. So I think, though, as we kind of think about this, I think we should think about, we should look upon, focus on what we can see clearly. We know, so here's what we can see clearly. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 12, that elders is designated specifically to men. Right? Just, like, just like men should be leaders in the household. Right? Men are held accountable for how they lead in their home, and they're held accountable for how, how they lead in the church. We know this part. I'm not going to dive into that today. We also know that deacons have a completely different list of responsibilities. But see, this is the thing. For many of us who grew up in a church where deacons were functioning in unbiblical ways, it's hard for us to think of a deacon being a woman because it's in a, there's a different list of responsibilities. And if that's the list of responsibilities, and I agree, then yeah, then a lady should not be functioning in that capacity. 
But if they're functioning in the biblical list of roles and responsibilities that a deacon should be doing, then I don't think there should be any reason we limit and keep women from fulfilling those needs. Meeting needs according to the word. That's not just a man thing. Supporting the ministry of the word. That's not just a man thing. Unifying the body around the word. It's not just a man thing. Mercy ministry, not just a man thing. But again, in a lot of churches, these roles get all mixed up. They get all messed up, and deacons are doing things they shouldn't be doing. And so that's how it's hard in our minds. So we have to think, what are the roles of these different offices, these different positions? I mean, it's clear in the New Testament that women are fulfilling these roles. Just look at the multiple different references, if you want to go look at what Paul is referencing when he talks about women who are doing these things, are fulfilling these roles. I think I counted like 17 different women who are doing this, who are fulfilling these roles and these responsibilities that Paul references and praises. So we see in the New Testament church, I think, is affirming the significant role of women in the church as deacons. Right? So if it's not obvious, I believe women can serve as deacons. And we should embrace that wholeheartedly and lovingly and be excited about that. Um, I think that is a wonderful thing. Um, I think we also have to be careful that we watch that deacons' roles don't, that deacons don't start becoming like elders. Because then if there's a lady in that kind of role, then now we're getting into a dangerous place. But so long as deacons are functioning in a healthy, biblical manner, then I think a lady can function as a deacon. The bottom line is this. We'll land the plane here. Christ is most magnified through the church when ministers are most multiplied throughout the world. That's what's happening here in Acts chapter 6. Christ is most magnified to the church when ministers are most multiplied throughout the world. And put that in the context of of Ephesians 3. We are all ministers of the gospel. So as we are most multiplied throughout the world, as Christ is magnified as we do that. And our goal is not to limit ministry to a group of people. Our goal is to have as many people serving in as many different ways as possible. And you see in Acts chapter 6, verse 7 and on, this is when the church began to multiply. When people began to see, I'm a minister of the gospel and I'm here to serve. And I'm being led in this servitude. And the, the preachers are, are, are the elders are, are set free to preach. And, and, and it's just a beautiful picture. The breakthrough to the ends of the earth came after the deacons came. And people got the idea that we are all here to serve. We are all ministers of the gospel. Deacons are a grace to the church. But not to do work for you. To lead you in doing the work of the ministry. And that is my prayer for this place as we enter into a new season of, of ministry, a new season of churches. That our ministry would be multiplied. That our ministry as a church collectively would be multiplied out. And that Rustianized ministry as your pastors would be multiplied. I want to encourage you with this. I want you to think of the way that God has served you. 
How has God served you? I want you to think in an ultimate sense. How has God served you? Think back to Ephesians 1 with me. Every eternal blessing and inheritance, hope in Christ, alive in Christ. Ultimately, church, He laid down His life. He served you and laid down His life so that you and I can live. He did that. Let us be people who live in light of this, reflecting the very nature of our servant King Jesus Christ. The deacons, God, God has given us deacons to just further model for us Jesus' servitude. Just as He's given us, we'll talk about next week, elders, to, to give us a, a tangible display, a visible display where we can go, okay, uh, that's what servitude practically looks like in our context and here in light of Jesus and His servitude. So let us lay down our lives so that our brothers and sisters might feel and see the tangible displays of the service of Christ. Let us lay down our lives so that the lost people in our jobs would know the love of Christ and the good news of salvation that flows from His love and mercy. We talked about this already. Our identity in Christ is one of a servant. We're all called to be servants. So let us live like servants because the one inside of us served us by bearing the wrath of God that we deserved. He bore that for us. When we get so self-focused, we have effectively forgotten that we serve because He first served us. And God has given us deacons to lead in service. So let us follow. Amen? Amen. We're going to have a time of communion here. Let's sing a couple songs. I want to encourage us as we think about communion. One of the reasons we started having a couple come forward for communion is to model service. So when you think about this, this is what Christ is doing in the Lord's Supper. He is serving His people. He is saying, here is my body that was broken. What? For you. My blood was spilled for you. And so as we, as we partake in communion, be reminded of Christ's service to the church. And also be reminded by the tangible display of members of our church serving you, whether you're a member or not. And I do want to encourage you that, um, that uh, if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, just to watch. Be blessed by watching God's people remember that. Um, and remember His sacrifice for them. And I encourage you, if you're not a follower, talk, talk to me today, right? Let's, let's talk through that. Um, and I would like, love to help you, serve you in that way. So let's pray, and we'll partake in communion. You guys, after I pray and the song begins, you can... Make your way up and um, and uh, get uh, yeah the band's got to get their their stuff first and then they're gonna go to their to their spots so let's pray Father thank you for this day and Father pray that as we remember your servitude that um, that we as a church would be united around serving your causes Father that we would forsake 
the serving of ourselves. That is our proclivity, Father, is to, is to serve ourselves. So, Father, please help us. Help us to not serve ourselves, but to see as, exam- as, as given to us as an example through your Son, Jesus, that He came to serve us so that we can serve others, ultimately serving you, Father. Father, thank you for the grace of your Son, Jesus. Thank you for the grace of deacons. Father, let us be faithful as we think towards deacons in these next few months. Father, thank you, and we give you praise. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You guys can remain seated and, and just come forward as they begin to play and, um, and, then, uh, um, and then make your way back to your seats and stand and we'll worship together.